This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Okay, so why don't we get to our message, James chapter 1 and 2, James chapter 1 and 2, and uh, wow, so excited to, to see all of you here and uh, celebrate the risen Savior. Do you feel the presence of God today? Do you feel? Amen. Feels really great in the house, and uh, just really quickly, uh, want to just uh, give a shout out to all of our volunteers who uh, helped last week and made uh, Easter possible. Wow, it was super amazing, and you guys worked super hard. Long, long day. And I got to give a shout-out to Bailey, who painted. She's here. She painted the cross and the tree and the cross, and she wasn't able to be here last week. But, man, it was amazing. What a, what a, what a day. What a day. So we're very grateful for that. So um, this is not a sermon series. This is kind of a standalone message that just kind of got into my spirit and And I want to share it with you today, and again, as a standalone, but in studying the resurrection and the cross, this just kind of like permeated, and it kind of got in my heart, and I couldn't, I kind of wrestled with it, and and I I just kind of feel like I have to stay here, and I believe that God's going to speak to somebody, maybe a handful of people, maybe everybody, but I know the Spirit's going to speak to somebody today through this message. So uh, James chapter uh, 1 and verse 2, it says this, consider it pure joy, everybody say pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, that kind of seems like almost an oxymoron, right? Like, woohoo! It's a trial! Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Here's my message today it's very simple don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to your word. Let your word fall into good ground and bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody here, everybody here, everybody, you and I have a unique problem, and that problem is called life. And if you don't know uh, what you're going to do in life, uh, then let me explain. Life is going to bring problems. It's the inevitable. And either you master life or life masters you. It's that simple. I know we have a hassle-free guarantee whenever we fill out a Connect card, but we do not have a problem-free guarantee when you fill out a Connect card. Life is full of problems. Everyone here is either coming out of a problem, in a problem, or you're about to Face a problem, everybody here, because that is life. Every storm is a possibility as a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. Every difficulty is for our development. Most of us are slow learners, and if you don't learn something, God will bring it up again and again and again and again in your life because God is more interested in developing your character than making us comfortable. Problems are inevitable. He is more interested in seeing us become more like Christ than making things easy for us. So some of us today are facing major difficulty, illness, guilt, financial problems, strained relationships, et cetera, et cetera. God has a word for us today, and it's it's simply this. Don't give up, but we do have to grow up. 
Here's why. Because most of the time when we have a problem, we face a giant, when we're in a situation, most of the time we're so focused on getting out of our problem that we get nothing out of our problem. We're so focused on getting out of the problem that we get nothing out of the problem. There's something that God is doing in us because he knows if he can do a work in us, then he can do a work through us. And so now we see the problem differently. We've all got problems. In fact, more problems mean that you are more alive than ever. And so here we go. What does the scripture say in James? James says this, because you know. Consider it joy because you know. We know what? We know that God is doing something in us or he would not have allowed this problem to happen. Matthew 5 and 45 says this. Basically, it says God allows the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. He allows it to rain on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. Good things happen to good people and bad bad people. It rains on everybody. The sun goes up and comes down on everybody. One of the most inevitable things that you can count on is this. The Bible says there were two men who built their houses. One built on the sand, one built on the rock, but both of them had a storm that tested what they built their life on. So the storm is the inevitable. Here's what happens. Most people waste their pain. They don't profit from their problems. They don't harvest from their hurt. They don't advance from their adversity. They don't learn from their losses. They don't gain from their pain. And this is what Paul says in Galatians 3 and 4. He says, have you experienced so much for nothing? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Why? Because some of us have to go through the same problem over and over and over, and we really should have a PhD in life, but we're still at recess in elementary playing freeze tag because we haven't learned the lesson yet. We're focused on getting out of our problem, and we get nothing out of our problem. Psalms 23 and 1. This is a very well-known psalm written by David, and let's just see what the psalm tells us, the Lord is my shepherd. That's wonderful. I lack nothing. That's even better. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Awesome. He leads me beside still waters, quiet waters. Wonderful. He refreshes my soul. I got, I got goosebumps. It's, it, it's wonderful. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Everything is peachy because I'm on the right path. But look where the right path leads me. Next verse, verse four. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, are you telling me that being on the right path can lead me into the darkest valley? Yes, absolutely yes. And people question. They say, I thought I was walking with God. I thought my good shepherd was leading me on the right path. And now I'm in a valley. Now there's hurt. Now I'm facing a giant. How could this be? And can I tell you, you can be in a problem. You can be facing your giant. You can even have pain, emotional, physical pain, and be where God wants you to be right here, right now. Amen. Let me show you something. Then it says this, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You're going to make me sit down and face my enemy. A lot of us haven't faced our enemies. We haven't faced our challenge. 
We haven't faced the giants that haunt us. We haven't faced our past. But the Lord says, when you go through this dark time, I'm with you. This is the right path. And we're going to sit down and we're going to address the issue and address the enemy. And watch what happens when you start addressing and you're walking in God's path. The Bible says, you anoint my head with oil. This is where the anointing comes. In the tension, in the stress, in the brokenness, this is where the anointing begins to fill your life. Why? Because Jesus did not give a problem-free guarantee. In fact, in the book of John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me, in Jesus, we have peace. There's no other peace. Our peace is in Jesus. Watch this. In this world you will have trouble. Everybody say trouble. Turn your neighbor and say, we're going to have some trouble. But he's making me. He's changing me. Don't throw your hands up and run out and go, I thought I was, you know, people get baptized. And I, I'm not trying to give you guys bad news. but you, <laughs> People get baptized and they go, I thought the devil was going to run away. I thought everything was going to be perfect. I'm going to come out of the water and the sun will, will always shine. No more rain clouds. No more. Jesus got baptized and he was tempted three times by Satan in a wilderness, but he overcame again and again. It doesn't mean you're going to be problem-free, but it means that you will have the victory in Jesus. And so God uses these things to increase us, to make us strong. So the resistance is what brings strength. Everybody say the resistance. Now, this is, this, is a healthy, this is a healthy test today for, for some of you because, because we need this. How many here has ever purchased anything on an infomercial? Wow, not a lot. I feel really weird having my hand up because I've done it. <laughs> okay. How many here has ever purchased uh, something for losing weight on an infomercial? Anybody, uh, body by Jake, anybody? Anybody's by Jake, no, okay. Um, how about abs of steel, any abs of steel here? One, two, okay. Um, eight minute abs, any eight minute abs here? Okay. Thigh master? Two thigh masters, okay. Total gym by Chuck Norris. Come on, guys, you can confess it right now. Actually, as I was, I was, I was preaching and, and, and speaking in the last service, I was thinking about what I've ordered like two or three things, and they're all kind of like food-based items. I've never gotten these, so they're always like baking and cutting. I'm like, wow, bread does make you spread. Praise God. No workout <laughs> stuff. Okay, this is a real one. This one's important. How many Richard Simmons here? Has anybody Richard Simmons? Come on, it's going way back. Did it work? Did it help anybody, Richard Simmons? All right. I'm going to give you a little statement. I want to just put this in your spirit. I want you to think about this. We don't just get strength for our problems. We get strength from our problems. You don't get strength for the weights. You get strength from the weights. It's the resistance. It's the tension that brings the strength. Don't remove that. We are so focused on getting out of our problem 
that we lose the resistance that God has allowed into our life because he's wanting to shape us through the trial. He wants to make us stronger in our faith. And we try to remove the resistance. We don't like the resistance. And yet it's the resistance that brings the strength. And so Jesus on the cross, it was more than just a physical trial. It was more than just a physical pain. It was a physical it was a spiritual, it was an emotional, it was a psychological, it was social, it was rational, and it was relational in every area. The trial came, and Jesus dealt with his trial in all of those areas. In fact, while studying, I was looking at these seven statements that Jesus made from the cross. We'll put these up for you to look at here. And these seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. And you have to piece the Gospels together to get them in in what order that they're they're in. But Jesus' first statement was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. The second was, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is a conversation with the thief on the cross. We talked about that last week. Jesus said to his mother, woman, this is your son. And and if I would have said that to my mom, she would have said, I'm your mother. But that's another thing. Then he said to the disciple, this is your mother. And then his next statement, and these aren't just statements that are arbitrary. These are statements that he, with nails in his hands and his feet, has to pull himself up, push himself up. And every breath, every word means something. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he says, I thirst. Then he said, it is finished. And then he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So I, I want to give you this, 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 this plan, this template. So when you go through a trial, when you're in the middle of your storm, when you're in the middle of your problem, you can refer to this every single time. Because the answer to complex issues is usually very simple. In fact, I just read this a couple, maybe last week or the week before, about NASA in, this, in the 1960s. They were trying to develop a pin that could write at zero gravity in outer space. And they spent millions of dollars and tons of personnel trying to get a pen that would write in outer space. So finally, after months and months and months and months of failure, they said, well, what are the Russians doing? So they got someone to ask and look and maybe sneak and look. They said, oh, they're using a pencil. So, yeah. Sometimes the answer is so simple. And this just may seem too simple, but this is... What Jesus gave us, Jesus' darkest hour, these are the words he said. This was his modus operandi. This was what was in his heart. This is what mattered, and this is what he said. So first he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. When you enter into a situation, the first and best thing you can ever do is make sure you don't start blaming others. You look at that situation and you start releasing others because when you release others, you're releasing yourself. When you start saying, Lord, forgive them, because here's what the Bible says. It's the one measure that whatever you give is what you get back. The more mercy you give, the more grace you give, the more you get back. So when you face your trial, when you face your trouble, whether it's people who have betrayed you, walked away from you, whatever that looks like, whatever pain that looks like, you have to start with the relational issue and say, I forgive. And sometimes you got to say it over, and you got to say it over, and you can't stop saying it, and you got to remind yourself, no, they didn't come to me, but I'm going to go to them. No, they didn't say it to me, but I'm going to say it in the air. I'm going to speak it to myself. I forgive them. It hurts, and I have every reason 
to begin to point out because Jesus had the same reasons he could have pointed out all of the issues and everybody, the Romans and, and, and the Pharisees and even the disciples who had scurried away, he could have pointed out all of their flaws and he opens up his remarks in his pain by saying, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. Hurting people hurt people. And you got to remember, when people start hurting and lashing out and talking bad, here's what you got to remember. They themselves are hurting. And to feed back into that becomes a cycle. And now you are the ones in chains. You are the ones imprisoned by the problem instead of being freed by forgiveness. You have to be freed by forgiving. And whenever it hurts, do it again. And when you can't make sense of it in your mind, do it again. Keep saying it. Keep praying it. Keep loving. Keep forgiving. Because you have to be free to get through this pain. Number two, he says this, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Again, we talked about this last week, the thief on the cross. And we could say easily, well, yeah, when you're in a trial, you should keep evangelizing. And I think that's a great point, but I think the point is even bigger than that. Here's the lie and the illusion that Satan gives us, that we can't do good while we're in our problem. I can't live for God. I can't serve. I can't lead a small group. I can't be what God's called me to be. Well, the stars have to align. Everything has to be perfect. My life has to be perfect, right? Everybody has to like me, and everything has to work out just good. My, my, my kids have to obey me and be perfect before I can do anything for God. And what Jesus models here is that even in his suffering, even in his pain, and even in his shame, he was able to give. He was able to serve others. Procrastination is assassination to the plans that God has for your life. And you can use your problem and you can use your issue as an excuse to not do good and not do what you know is right. Can I tell you that when that day finally aligns where all the stars come together and you feel good and you feel like you look good and your breath smells good, and you've got your new shoes on, you got your new jacket on, and you're like, okay, I'm here. Heaven just started because that's the day that everything aligns. Can I tell you, in your life, you're going to have problems, and you're going to have many excuses to not jump on the train, to not serve, to not give, to not be a part. You're going to have a million reasons. Don't let your problems, the people who serve, the people who preach, the people who minister, they're not people who are excluded from problems. They're ministering through their problems, and that's where the anointing comes, through our problems, not exclusive from our problems. Number three. Well, that's good preaching right there. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Sorry, guys. I had to make sure you're awake. All right, number three, Jesus said to the mother, to his mother, woman, this is your son. Then he said to his disciple, this is your mother. And what he's basically ultimately doing is like, hey, mama, you're, you're important. And, and basically talking to John, John, take care of her. And, and here's what I want to remind you, that in, in your problem and in your situation, you have to lean back into what God says is the most important thing in your life. And that's family. You'll never be in too many trials or have too much pain to discard family because it's easy for us to push back. Guys, we're really good at this. 
when we're going through something, we push away from the table. We push away from people who are closest to us. God gave us family and even a sphere. Uh, they, they, they say that everybody has between 12 and 17 people that are in your sphere. That's family. It should be family. And it's also friends. Don't push away. That's when you lean into those godly relationships. To be a part of that sphere, social psychologists say that you need about an hour of time with a person a week for them to be a part of your quote-unquote inner circle. Now, here's what's staggering is they also say that the average father spends seven minutes a day with his kid or kids. Seven times seven is 49 minutes. That's not even an hour. Many dads don't even have their own kids in their sphere of influence. Here's what I'm saying is this. God has given us a sphere of influence. Acts 16 and 31. Watch this. They replied, Acts 16 and 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That word household doesn't mean family. What it means is it's, it's, it's okas in the Greek and it means your sphere of influence, the people that God has put in your life. God has put people into your life and those are the people you invest in. Those are the people you pour into even when you're hurting, even when you feel lost, even when you feel confused. Pour into the people that God has put into your life. Number four, his next statement, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His next statement, my God, we'll put this up on the screen, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, there's two things you have to know. This is, this is the emotional side. He's connecting what, he's, what is happening in his emotional realm it's been physical, it's rational, it's relational, it's psychological, it's physical, it's in there. But this is the emotional place where he is. He feels abandoned. And guess what he does? He quotes Psalms 22. Psalms 22 begins with this verse. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is not just some arbitrary statement that he makes. He goes back to the scripture. Why? Because he has to somehow deal with the pain of his emotions. Most people don't deal with the pain of their emotions. And so what happens is our, our emotional grief happens here. We move on, but our emotional grief never was taken care of, never dealt with. And so emotionally, we're still back here at our problem. What Jesus did is he found the scripture and he was able to relate his emotional grief with the scripture. Why? Because if I don't process my emotional pain correctly, I'll stay back at where the emotional pain took place. And there's many people who are incarcerated by their emotional pain, have never truly processed their emotional pain, and therefore they cannot walk into their purpose and promise in Jesus Christ. You have to deal with it. You have to face it. You have to talk about it. You got to say, this is what it feels like because your feelings are real. Well, nobody, nobody understands. It doesn't matter. Your feelings are real. Well, that's not really what happened. That doesn't even matter because your feelings are real. So at some point, you have to deal 
with the emotional grief that took place, and you've got to put it in God's hand, and you've got to find it back in the Scripture. Why? Because all these guys that we champion and talk about in the Scripture, guess what? They went through the same emotional grief that you and I do, and somehow we celebrate them, and we say, hey, you know what? They, they were inoculated from problems, but they were, man, they were full of problems and full of issues and had a lot of emotional problems and grief, and we go back to the Scripture and remember that when they were in their darkest hour, God was with them, and when I'm in my darkest hour, God is still with me. Come on, somebody. Are you thankful for that? Number five, the Bible says, Jesus says, I thirst. I thirst. Now, this is real simple, but it's very profound because there's, a, there's an old statement that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. We will live with God forever as believers. And it starts as a spiritual unction, and he will give us a new body. We have a body, but we are a soul. We will live forever. But one of the things that people do, and a lot of Christians do this, is we don't confess our physical issues. Jesus had no problem. I mean, it'd be cool to be like, yeah, Jesus is tough. Look, he's not even thirsty. He's like, no, no, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Like, look how tough he is up there. He could have said a lot of things, but he was willing to vocalize his human issue. I'm thirsty. And a lot of people don't vocalize their issue. You know what Jesus said? He said, when you see the mountain, the mountain's the issue. He says, I need you to speak to the mountain. Be removed. You can't think it. You know? He said, I want you to speak it. I want you to speak to the mountain. Mountain, whatever you are, unbelief, fear, sickness, disease, cancer, I'm speaking to you. You're not welcome here. And there's no shame, there's no shame in speaking your pain. There is no shame in speaking your pain. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. I've been dealing with fear. Say it. What's your other option? Hold it in, harbor it, pretend everything's okay. God reveals it so he can heal it. He wants you to reveal it so he can heal it. You've got to let it out and you've got to give it up. And you got to say it, this is my humanity, and my humanity is hurting. So you say it. Number six, it is finished. Everybody say, it's finished. Now, hear me out. A good life is like a good book. It's made up of many chapters. And the thing that you have to understand is Jesus did not say, it's over. He said, it's finished. Man, Jesus is just starting. It's not over. It's finished. What's finished? The suffering. The cup of suffering. It's coming to a close. Why? Because life has many chapters. And you have to remember, this is only a chapter. Some people say this, and I, and I don't like it at all. They go, this is, the, this is the story of my life. No, it's not. It's just a chapter. But what the enemy wants you to think is this chapter is your life. He wants you to be stuck in that chapter. So here's what you have to do. You have to stand up and say, you know what? It's finished. This chapter of suffering, this chapter of pain, I'm declaring it is finished. God's about to change the chapter. 
I've been living with, in the days of not enough, and I'm about to go to a days of more than enough. I, I've gone from days of down and out to now I'm up and at it. I was with the other team, right? I was on, on the other team in the world, in darkness, but now I've joined the light and I speak it. I've changed teams. This is a different me. It's a new day. You have to know life has many chapters. And here's the deal. God doesn't write bad stuff. He doesn't write bad stories. He is the author and finisher of your faith. So remember this. When you're in a chapter that you don't like, remember it's only a chapter. It's not the whole book. So you're going to be able to say, it is finished. It's finished. That's over. Thank God it's over. It's done. It's over. And last but not least, number seven, his last words on the cross. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. This is paramount. This is everything. This is the buildup. This is the crescendo. This is what we do. Everything we do is for this moment. Here's why. Because the spirit of the man is my inner being, and this is what I offer God. This is how I worship. I worship not with my intellect. I worship with my innermost being, the spirit of the man. Now watch this. Proverbs 18 and 14. The spirit of the man will sustain his infirmity. So if, if, if you're going through something, if your spirit is strong, if your spirit's not contaminated by what's happening on the outside, then it will sustain you. But a wounded spirit, who can bear it? If you let the stuff on the exterior get on the interior, it'll change everything. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to take this thorn in the flesh and turn it into a thorn in your spirit. And here's what happens. People let offenses get into their spirit. If God was good, then why? If he really loved us, then how did he let this happen? And it's no longer just a thorn in the flesh. Now it gets into your spirit, and now your spirit is polluted. And the greatest thing you can offer God is a pure heart and a poor spirit. Here it is, God. Man, there was all kind of stuff coming my way, but I didn't let it get in my spirit. It messed with me psychologically. It messed with me physically. It messed with me emotionally. It messed with me relationally. But I'm telling you, my spirit, I've kept my spirit. Watch the words of Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and 59. Watch Stephen, the first martyr in the Bible. Watch what he said while they were stoning him. Stephen prayed, Jesus, come down in your thunder and your power and destroy my enemies. Is that what he said? Come down and, and, and revenge me of these people who are evil. No. Receive my spirit. I want to make sure if this is my last day, it's my best day. Then he fell on his knees and cried out as he's being stoned. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. He released them because the most important thing, I want to keep my spirit right. Because the best thing I can ever offer God is my spirit. Lord, in all the troubles and all the pain, emotionally and mentally and physically, I want to give you my spirit that's not been contaminated by this life. I could have let offenses come. I could have let anger come. I could have let a lot of things steep and brew inside of me. But I kept them at bay so I could let my spirit 
to be pure. See, when Jesus was reviled, when Jesus was hurt, when he was betrayed, he did not let that contaminate his spirit. Proverbs 20 and 27, the human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on the innermost being. This is what reveals who is you, what you are. All God has to do is light your spirit up. All he has to do is let something get in your spirit and it lights you up and it reveals everything that's really inside of you. Sometimes our problems is more like God's way of lighting our lamp. Oh, I didn't know that was there. Oh, didn't know that was there. Did, oh my goodness, there's, a, there's all kind of stuff brewing, steeping inside of me. And sometimes God allows these things not so we can, in our faith and strength and godliness, change those exterior circumstances, but sometimes that those circumstances will change us. I want to have a pure spirit, even in my pain, even in my problems, even in my suffering. Would you stand? Humanity has always fallen internally before it falls externally. Don't let your pain get into your spirit. Let it stay a thorn in your flesh until God says that's enough. Because this is just a chapter and these problems and these issues that you're facing that you feel like are insurmountable, can I tell you this? That he puts us on the right path and takes us even to the valley of the shadow of death. And he says, this is the right path. We're gonna face your enemies and I'm gonna anoint you like never before. Like never before. If you're here today and you're ready, say, Lord, this is, this is troubled, this is troubled, but more than that, this is troubled. My heart is troubled. God can right now bring peace to your life. Right now, He can bring peace. And it's called the peace that passes all understanding. Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands and your hearts with me? I want the Holy Spirit to move. You're either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or about to go into a trial. But he said, in this life you will have trouble, but I will never, ever, ever, ever leave you or forsake you. So here today, here's what we're going to do. Would you lift your voice with me? Would you lift your hearts with me for a moment? There's healing flowing through this house. Holy Spirit move to this house right now heal and wash heal our hearts heal our hearts heal our hearts for more information about who we are we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com God bless you